Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. This Monday, August 21st, Bob Kemp, Caleb Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Download that KDOS1060 app register and follow along with the listener rewards opportunities for you to potentially be eligible to win that $100 gift certificate from Superbook Sports. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions. A reminder here about today's show is that we're going to be answering the poll questions today at 11.15 as we're making room for Alan Par. Uh, uh, Pupar to join Bob from All Dolphins at 11.30 to uh, he was unable to join the program at 9.15 as Mike McDaniel had an unexpected Zoom call. So Alan is making time for us at 11.30 today. So let's get into it now. The KDOS1060.com poll question here. The 2023 Miami Dolphins over under nine and a half wins and under with the masses at 67% of the vote over sitting at nine and a half. Yeah, I think you need to listen to Allen because uh, a lot of injury situations here and the you know, tough division obviously gotten better. Uh, you can maybe make a case that at least three of the four teams should be better this year than they were a year ago. Uh, so we'll see uh, what that happens. But, you know, the Jalen Ramsey thing, obviously, right at the start of training camp, and he's out for, you know, months. Uh, they also apparently got pretty fortunate that Teron Armstead is not out long-term after he went down during a joint practice last week. And, unfortunately, Armstead, who's, when he's played, whether it be in New Orleans or Miami, he's been one of the you know, best left tackles in the NFL – but unfortunately, he's rarely made it through an entire season throughout his professional career. We will answer that question, as I said, around 11.15. Let's get into the Arizona Diamondbacks here. Uh, Major League Baseball did decide to make Saturday into a doubleheader with the expected weather hitting California yesterday. So Saturday's first contest was a 6-4 to win over the Padres with Merrill Kelly going five and a third, five hits, three runs, four walks, three strikeouts, and two home runs. Tommy Pham tripled in the third and Walker brought him home. And then Tommy Pham again, home run in the fifth to put the Diamondbacks on top. In the second contest, it was an 8-1 to one win over the Padres. Scott McGuff got the start. Two and a third innings, one hit, one walk, two strikeouts in a bullpen game as Gabriel Moreno hit a grand slam in the seventh. Yeah, I think the most important thing that happened on Saturday is a, it was a miracle they made it through that first game and didn't lose. Um, you know, the eighth and ninth inning guys, you know, Ginkle, and uh, also uh, Seawold, uh, gave, you know, they walked guys, they hit batters. They had uh, gave up a home run in the eighth inning uh, to Machado. And they had three warning track outs during the – they only had six outs in those two innings. Three of them were warning track outs. 
including it right at the end of the game when uh, you know ball right, you know Soto hit a ball to left field. It was you know I was listening on radio at that point in uh, going to the Cardinals game. Uh, but it's you know, it, you know, if I was watching it, it sounded like if you were watching, you thought it was a home run for sure. So they were very fortunate to win that first game. Then I didn't think that you know you would think that you Darvish against a bullpen game, but Darvish has been bad. Uh, eight and eight, his earn run average is in the fours, and they're under contract with Darvish for several more years until he's like literally forty years old. So another brilliant Padres contract. Yet I keep hearing that people, you know, smart people in baseball, including on the MLB Network yesterday morning, telling me, well, their projected win probability is they should be better than they are. And just watch the Padres play. And I've been saying this for weeks and maybe even months. They're a bad baseball team. Uh, the Diamondbacks continue their efforts here to get themselves back into that wild card spot. Just taking a look at the National League, the Braves 80 and 43, the Dodgers 76 and 47, the Brewers 68 and 57. In the wild card right now, it's the Phillies 67 and 57, the Giants 65 and 59, the Cubs 64 and 59, the D-backs now one game back, the Reds one game back, the Marlins one game back, and the aforementioned Padres six games back. Yeah, I think the Diamondbacks got some good news today. Seriously, I'm not being sarcastic here for a change. Uh, the Reds game has been rained out for today, and they're playing a doubleheader on Wednesday. And I think that, uh, you know, wonder, you know, the Reds pitching staff is shaky to begin with. And the fact that they're going to have to play two games on Wednesday before they start a four-game series against the Diamondbacks here on Thursday, there's going to have, I think it's a high probability that the the, uh, the Reds are going to make some roster moves and re, you know, restock their pitching staff. And their pitching staff, when fully stocked and healthy, isn't very good. Uh, so they should get a decimated you know, Reds pitching staff when they hit Arizona for the first of a four-game series here on Thursday. Tonight, though, it is the Rangers in town for a two-game set. Jordan Montgomery going for Texas, 8-10, 3.30 ERA, 128 strikeouts. Obviously, he started the season with the Cardinals. Now he's with the Rangers. It was originally for the Diamondbacks, Slade Sassoni, but uh, a few minutes ago, the Diamondbacks announced a change, and it's Joe Mantiply getting the start. Another bullpen game, and, and I'm actually for this. Uh, Shikoni should not be in the major leagues. He's not good. The Dodgers have another loss to their pitching staff. Tony Gonsolin placed on the 15-day injured list with Dave Roberts telling reporters that it's unlikely Gonsolin pitches again this season. They did win two of three over the Marlins over the weekend. Yeah, a lot of speculation that this is going to be a Tommy John situation with Gonsolin. He's had forearm issues early in the season and now out for the season. Uh, and uh, you know, hopefully he's not headed for Tommy John surgery because at this time of the calendar year, that means he won't be pitching at all next year. Uh, so we'll see what happens. The good news for the Dodgers is that Kershaw and Urias, at least for right now, seem to be healthy. They look good. Both of them have looked good in their most recent starts, like three or four starts now for Urias for the most part. Both starts since Kershaw came off the injured list. Lance Lynn is kind of the latest example of Dodgers magic. He was getting shelled on a almost per start basis with the White Sox. He's undefeated and uh, not just because he's got great run support, which he's gotten, but he's been really he looked good for the uh, for the uh, Dodgers and Mark Pryor 
uh, former uh, phenom pitcher uh, for the Cubs back in the day. He's the Dodgers pitching coach, and I think he deserves a lot of credit there. And Bobby Miller, the rookie, their top uh, you know, pitching prospect uh, before the season started and arguably the top pitching prospect in baseball, according to some, uh, he's been uh, you know, more, much more consistent here as the seasons continued. I kind of thought that maybe he would fade because a lot of rookie pitchers going through the major leagues for the first time in their career fade during the season, but he, seemingly he's gotten better. So another Mark Pryor thing, I think, there. Giants had bases loaded, uh, walked in Jock Peterson. Uh, Jock Peterson, I should say, drew the walk to walk in the winning run 4-3 to three to avoid getting swept by the Braves over the weekend. And they will be back at it with Scott Alexander, 6-2, 4.06 ERA, 22 strikeouts. Against the Phillies is Aaron Nola, 10-8, 4.58 ERA, 160 strikeouts. Another bullpen game for the Giants, and the big news for the Giants is their top pitching prospect, Kyle Harrison, who is a guy with a great arm, but he's in the minor leagues in his career. He's walked a lot of guys. He's striked out a lot of guys. Uh, According to the CBS Fantasy Baseball podcast that I listened to earlier this morning, Harrison has not pitched more than five innings in any minor league game this season. But Harrison's scheduled to make his major league debut tomorrow night starting against the Phillies. In the American League, you have the Orioles remaining on top, 77 and 47, the Rangers 72 and 52, the Twins 65 and 60. Then in the AL wildcard race, you have the Rays 75 and 51, the Astros 70 and 55, and the Mariners now 69 and 55. On the outside looking in, the Blue Jays now a half game back, the Red Sox three games back, and just because I have to put it in there, the Angels eight and a half games back. The Mariners, though, they swept the Astros. It was a 2-0 win for them on Friday, a 10-3 win with Framber Valdez going five innings, 10 hits, six runs, two walks, five strikeouts, and one home run for the Astros in that contest, and then a 7-6 win yesterday. I've been saying this for a few weeks. Framber Valdez is not healthy. Uh, yeah, He left the game against the Angels. This is... Probably six or seven weeks ago at this point. He's not been the same since then. He's usually went on a ground ball machine. He's given up a, I don't know if it's a career high in home runs, but he's given up a ton of home runs. Uh, So we'll see what happens with that. As far as the Mariners are concerned, uh, they seem to do this every year once we get to August or September. Not to this extent, maybe. They are 31-13 and in their last 44 games. Obviously, is the Julio Rodriguez show. I don't know if he's officially been named the uh, player of the week in the American League from last week, but he will be at some point today. You know, he had 17 hits in a four-game stretch. That's the most hits in four games by any player in Major League Baseball in 98 years. Contrary to popular belief, I wasn't even around when that happened, uh, whoever it was the last time. Uh, the Astros, I've said this now for a few days, I, there's something not right here. Um, you know, it's not just Valdez. Their team, and they've had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup, injury-wise, rotation-wise, player position-wise. But even when those guys are healthy and playing simultaneously, this is nowhere near with the Astros that we saw win the championship. And they were, without a doubt, the best team in baseball last season from like June 1st on. 
The Red Sox will go to Houston taking on the Astros today with James Paxton, 7-3, 3.34 ERA, 93 strikeouts, and Christian Javier, 8-2, 4.49 ERA, 112 strikeouts. The Mariners will play the White Sox today. Luis Castillo, 9-7, 3.23 ERA, 166 strikeouts. Tuki Toussaint, 1-5, 4.47 ERA, 51 strikeouts. Former Diamondback first-round draft pick back in the day. Um, you know, I think the most, uh, you know, his nephew, uncle, or somebody is uh, Alan Toussaint, who's a very famous musician. Uh, so, you know, a lot of New Orleans jazz type of things. So, played on some Bonnie Raitt albums back in the day. But that's uh, still the most noteworthy thing by far of the Toussaint family. Uh, right now, it's caller number three, 602-260-1060. You are the winner of the four-pack of Diamondbacks tickets to Saturday, August 26th contest. When it's bear down time, the Diamondbacks hosting the Reds for U of A night presented by Chase. Fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and co-branded U of A Diamondbacks tee. Visit dbacks.com slash U of A to secure your tickets now. The game, Saturday, August 26th, the Diamondbacks host the Reds, 5, 10 p.m. Caller number 3, 602-260-1060. 602-260-1060. Caller 3 is the winner of the four-pack of tickets. Shaking things up a little bit here. We'll answer the poll questions on the other side of the break. And then Alan Pupar of AllDolphinsSI.com set to join us around 1130 to preview the Dolphins. That's all coming up here on The Extra Point. sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me the Doug Gottlieb show 1 to 3 p.m. Congratulations to our winner of the Diamondbacks four pack of tickets to Saturday August 26th game the D-backs hosting the Reds for U of A night presented by Chase Head on over to dbacks.com slash U of A to secure your tickets now. That's Saturday, August 26th, as the Diamondbacks are hosting the Reds 5.10 p.m. start. Changing things up a little bit here, and we're going to answer the poll questions now and then make room for Bob and Alan Pupar to have a conversation about the Miami Dolphins around 11.30. So let's... Let's toss it over to the KDOS1060.com poll question, but we'll have a caveat, shall we? Because we're going to answer the win-loss total, but maybe Alan says something that completely changes our mind. Uh, the 2023 Miami Dolphins over under nine and a half wins here. Well, I'm not going to bet it over, no matter what Alan tells me, unless the rest of the uh, rest of the AFC East is just not going to play this year. Then I maybe would consider the over at that point. Uh, all the injury situations, and we'll go with that with uh, go through that with Alan in the next segment. Uh, but I, I can't make, make a case at all for them going over the total. Probably even if they were healthy, it'd be hard for me to do that. Uh, their schedule quickly: they have three of their first four games are on the road. Uh, week one against the Chargers, uh, week two at New England, and then week four at Buffalo. Later in the season, they have a three-game stretch from October 22nd through November the 5th at Philadelphia, home against New England, and then Kansas City and Germany. So in three weeks, they play both of the Super Bowl teams from last year. And in the final uh, four games of the season are uh, you know, three home games. That's the good news uh, against the Jets, Dallas, and Buffalo. 
you know, those are, you know, we expect to be good teams, all three of them. And the fourth game is at Tennessee, who I was told, you know, I, you know, I was told foolishly I picked Tennessee to win the AFC South over uh, last Friday during the sports zone. And that uh, got the ire of at least one person I saw at the Cardinals game on Saturday night who was listening. So thank God he's listening. But to disagree with me is just a wrong thing. Uh, so I actually think this Dolphins schedule is a little bit tricky here, right? You start on the road against the Chargers, then at the Patriots versus the Broncos, question mark about their team, then at the Bills, maybe question mark about their team. We'll maybe get some answers with that later in the week. Then you have the Giants, Panthers, Eagles, Patriots, Chiefs, and then your Week 10 bye. Then you come back, the Raiders, Jets, Commanders, Titans. That could be a stretch there for you to uh, succeed. And then you conclude with the Jets, Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills. Uh, so certainly a very tough concluding portion of the Dolphins schedule and question marks for me are always just whether or not Tua is going to be able to stay right. healthy. Yeah. And it's even more paramount because I don't think highly of uh, the offense being able to move with the backup quarterbacks that are on the Dolphins roster as it is right now. So I think there's going to be a dramatic drop off there. Obviously, you have Tyreek Hill, you have Jalen Waddell, you have the attempt in the offseason to change around that defense and to make yourself more competitive. So they certainly didn't stand pat on all of those different things. I, I think that this team has the potential to get to 10 wins, but everything has to go right. So I think you're kind of looking at a nine-win season here realistically for for this Dolphins team. So with that in mind, I would say under nine and a half wins. I'm not even sure I get to nine if Tua doesn't play I do think that White is a better alternative. You know, Bridgewater was awful. Bridgewater, unfortunately, great human interest story. I know we're all rooting for him. But quite frankly, he's been at best, and I mean at best, an average or maybe even below average quarterback since he went down with that injury many years ago in Minnesota. He has not been anywhere near what he was prior to that. And then they had Skylar Thompson in there last year playing some after Bridgewater went down. And Thompson was a mediocre at best college quarterback who I'm stunned is in the NFL. To make the playoffs, if you believe in the Dolphins, it's minus 105. AFC East numbers, Bills plus 120, Jets plus 250, Dolphins plus 290, and the Patriots plus 800. If you're interested in some props here, Tua over under 3,800.5 yards minus 112, Jalen Waddell over under 1,075.5 yards minus 112, and Tyreek Hill over under 1,275.5 yards minus 112. I forgot to tell you what the masses are on. They're also on the underside of things at 71% of the vote over sitting at 29%. Flipping. Okay, that sounds fair. Yeah, I understand their logic there. Flipping on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060, have the Diamondbacks turned it around while winning three consecutive series. Uh, I would say that you need to have some caution with this because it was a series win versus the Padres, then it was a series win at the Rockies, and then a series win at the Padres. So you needed to win these series, and you did, so that's a good thing. You won the series that you need to to get yourself back into this this 
NL wild card race. But upcoming, you have these two games facing the Rangers. Then you have the Reds. And then you go on the road uh, to the Dodgers. And then you also face the Orioles. So you have a couple of really upcoming tough series ahead of you. And I think that those will dictate a lot of what's going to happen. Yeah, I didn't have time to write this down, but they had on MLB Network the other day the most uh, difficult schedules remaining in the season, and the Diamondbacks are in the top five. Ooh, yeah, okay. That's not great. But you can no, make some hay, though, uh, if you are facing the Reds and you, you have success there. That's at least a, a good thing if you can come out ahead on the, in that series. That's true, but God knows if the Reds are good from day to day, let alone, hell, inning to inning, you don't know if they're going to be any good or not. Uh, they're either spectacular or they look like they're playing uh, T-ball because they have no idea how to play the game. Uh, so are you on the yes or no side of things here? Uh, I'm on the hell no side of this uh, because they, you know, they, just because they beat the you know, seven games last week that they should win, uh, that you know they had a winning record that week, and yeah, that's a week that could have officially buried them and been gone. But yeah, if if, if anything you know, if anything goes right, I don't know how anybody can have any kind of idea that that's a positive. I mean, yeah, that's great. But let's see what they do these next four series and the rest of the season. Uh, you know, I think we can judge anything on what we saw last week. The masses are on the no side of things at 66.7% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 33.3%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Uh, as a reminder, the Diamondbacks are taking on the Rangers tonight. Jordan Montgomery going for Texas. And Joe Mantiply is now getting the start in a bullpen game for the Diamondbacks tonight. That is a 640 start. dbacks.com slash watch. Rearranging things today. Alan Pupar of AllDolphinsSI.com such to join Bob in the next segment to preview the Miami Dolphins and to get some answer, answers on the injury front, the injury situation that the Dolphins have experienced so far in camp. So we'll do that next right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Extra Point. This segment with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. The Dolphins in 2022 reached the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Expectations high for the 2023 season, but several uh, injury questions, among other things. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. And we're now joined in the sports zone by Alan Pupar of uh, All Dolphins. Uh, that's part of uh, SI.com. Alan, good to have you. And uh, let's start with uh, kind of an injury roll call here. And let's start with Tua who has not made it through a healthy season since 2018 in Alabama. He started 34 of 51 games with the Dolphins. After last season's uh, concussion situation, does everybody kind of hold their breath even in practice when somebody gets close to him? 
Um, kind of, sort of. But I, I don't know if it's necessarily to that point, but everybody's cognizant of the situation, obviously. And uh, so far, so good. I'm sure there was some some nervousness uh, Saturday in the game against Houston when he threw a pick on his first pass of, of the game. And he basically got in the way of, of the defender, linebacker, Denzel Perriman, on the return and was engaged with a blocker and there was some contact. Uh, I, I think the Dolphins would prefer he not get involved in things like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, the whole narrative the entire offseason and every time you hear talk about the Dolphins is if Tua stays healthy, if Tua stays healthy, if Tua stays healthy. So, obviously, that's going to be looming over him at the very least through this entire season and who knows how long into the future. Tua has been accurate on short passes. Last season, though, he was in the bottom three in the league outside the hashes and 25-plus yards down the field. But do those things really matter when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle getting tons of yards after the catch? Uh, no, and we also should note uh, – it wasn't even just the yards after the catch. There was some of that, but it wasn't so much that that really fed the Dolphin offense last year. It was completions 50, 15, 20 yards on the middle of the field to the Hill and Waddle, whose speed created such problems for opposing defenses um, that they very often were wide open, like 15, 20 yards on the field, and two got on the ball. And while it's not 45, 50 yards on the field, or it's not – 25 yards outside the numbers, you know, it's still as productive. And there was a great example of what I'm talking about with Tyreek Hill's speed and what it does in the game against Houston. There was a third down play where Hill was in the slot. He ran straight at the DB and then cut while the DB is still turning around to backtrack to make sure he keeps up with Hill if Hill's going to sprint down the field. And by the time the pass was thrown, there was nobody 50 yards anywhere near Hill. <laughs> That's, uh, I can picture that play. I didn't see it, but I can picture that. Uh, the tackle situation. It appears like the Dolphins dodge a, dodge a bullet here when Teron Armstead went down last week in a joint practice. He's he's missed four or more games in six of his last ten seasons. The passing numbers for Miami were really good last season when he was on the field, significantly worse when he wasn't on the season, uh, on the field, excuse me, last season. So, how's the backup tackle situation? I would tell you it's probably more encouraging than it was at this time last year because um, they signed veteran Kendall Lamb late last season, spent most of his career as a right tackle. And then when training camp started this year, uh, he's been taking reps on both sides of the line. And every time he's been at left tackle, he's looked very, very good. Uh, he's the one who started with the offensive line Saturday against Houston because I'm still dealing with that leg injury that he suffered against uh, the Texans in the second joint practice on Thursday. And he had another outing where you kind of get the feeling if the Dolphins have to start the season without Armstead, Armstead tweeted after practice Thursday that his, his mindset is on week one, which not quite the same as saying, you know, guarantee I'll be there for week one. Well, if it turns out that he's not there for week one, I think the Dolphins and their fans have reason to believe that Kendall Lamb can even get the job done on left tackle. Yeah, I need to ask about uh, Phoenix area product Austin Jackson, uh, you know, right tackle in the past. How's he doing? 
Much improved, it looks like, I would tell you. Um, and as I'm going to guess you know, being that he's from your area, let's say his career didn't get off in necessarily a great start after it was the 18th pick in the 2020 draft. Right. And then, but it was on the left side in the last year after Mike McDaniel came in with a new system, a new scheme that emphasizes maybe more athleticism on the offensive line as opposed to physicality. The thought was that, you know, that might be what, you know, sparks his career because this, this seems to fit his skill set better. And he's going over to the right side. But then, lo and behold, first game of the regular season, high ankle sprain, he's out until the end of November. First game back, another ankle injury, and he's done for the year. So we never got to see whether, in fact, that transition to right tackle and the new scheme would make a big difference. Well, he's shown up this year looking a whole lot different, number one, in terms of his body. He looks a lot leaner, uh, stronger, and so far so good. I mean, he's looked very, very impressive. And, again, reason to hope that uh, – you know, the, the turnaround will occur in his career. We'll get back on track. The Dolphins declined to pick up his fifth-year option for 2024, so this is a contract year for him. Um, and obviously he's hoping to, you know, show enough on the field to make the Dolphins, you know, think that they have to sign him to an extension. Okay, so let's flip this to the defense, kind of continue, unfortunately, the injury theme here. But Jalen Ramsey out for, uh, you know, a few months here after the early training camp injury. How's the defense and new coordinator Vic Fangio try to compensate without Ramsey? Uh, yeah, you can only compensate so much. I mean, this guy's unique. And I understand people want to have like great depth everywhere and all that, but you don't lose a like a guy like Jalen Ramsey and not feel it to a certain degree. But the Dolphins do have a lot of talent, a lot of front end talent on that defense. Whether it's on the defensive line with Christian Wilson, pass rushers with Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb. They also have another great cornerback in his Dagan Howard, who for some reason is being overlooked when I see a list of top cornerbacks in the NFL and I see him some often omitted from a top 10 list. And I'm like, what are people watching that the guy can play? And then last year he battled groin injuries the whole year, made the Pro Bowl when he shouldn't have because he didn't have a Dagan Howard type of season. But the guy is really good. Uh, and then they have a guy safety in Javon Holland, uh, third-year player from Oregon, who everybody pretty much agrees has got Pro Bowl, Pro Bowls plural in his future, especially in the scheme of Vic Fangio. And he's the other part of the equation. Is Vic Fangio's resume basically says that wherever he goes and takes charge of the defense, there's going to be a massive jump in year one. So all the pieces are in place to get the, the defense, which was 24th and 18th in yards and points allowed, or vice versa last year, to be close to a top 10 unit. And that's even with Ramsey out and probably until this summer. Brandon Jones missed uh, many games last year after knee surgery. How's he doing? Uh, not doing a whole lot right now. Uh, they brought him back. He was able to clear. Uh, actually, hold on. I'm trying to remember if he started on PUP or anyway. Uh, it was a slow start at first. Eventually, was able to start practicing. He was on a one-day-on, one-day-off schedule. Then he was shut down because he's dealing, apparently, with some minor issues uh, not related to the ACL that he tore last year. Um, but he's not practicing a whole lot. There's kind of an open spot opposite Holland at safety. 
that Brandon Jones figured to be in the competition for. The only issue with Brandon Jones is his forte is blitzing and tackling, whereas Zick Fangio's scheme in terms of safeties would call perhaps more for coverage, which is mm-hmm. not Brandon's strong suit. So exactly what okay. his role is going to be is yet to be determined. The fact that he's not able to practice doesn't practice in a bit doesn't help. You mentioned Christian Wilkins. He was the NFL's top tackler amongst defensive linemen a year ago. Uh, wants a new contract, don't we all? Uh, is he closer to a new contract? What's up with that? Yeah, I want a new contract, too. You're right. Everybody wants a new contract. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, right now he's in a whole quote-unquote holding situation where he basically does individual work in practice, does not do team pairs, didn't play against Houston, and who knows how long that's going to last. The issue for the Dolphins is that while last year was the year of the wide receivers in terms of big contracts in the offseason, well, this year was the year of the defensive tackle. And Wilkins and his agent have seen a whole bunch of guys, Jeffrey Simmons, yeah. Javon Hargrave, Deron Payne, Dexter Lawrence, and I'm going to get a few, you know, get big numbers. And obviously Wilkins is like, oh, I want some of that. Uh, and the Dolphins may be saying, you know, um, Wilkins was fabulous against the run in 2022. Not necessarily a huge factor as a pass rusher. And that may be where the Dolphins are like, you know, we want to pay you, but maybe not as much as those guys who got the big contracts because they're better pass rushers. And that's what's maybe creating the issue as far as being able to agree on a number. Uh, eventually, eventually, he's going to start practicing. Um, don't know exactly when that's going to get done, even if whether it's going to get done before the start of the regular season. Uh, that's, you know, that's something to watch. Uh, back to the offense. If healthy, this obviously is a group that has tons of playmakers with speed and athleticism. What's the ceiling for this offense? Uh, that's a very good question. I think the ceiling for this offense will be determined, I think, once they can show a little bit more consistency. The, the thing that's a little bit if, uh, concerning might be too strong a word, but if there's any hesitation whatsoever about the potential of the offense, is the fact that even before Tua was sidelined for the for good last year with the, the concussion against Green Bay on Christmas Day, is the offense was slowed pretty significantly once December hit against San Francisco, the Chargers. Uh, Buffalo was better, but then Green Bay, there were issues. So was it a matter of the defense? The defenses figured out how to stop or slow down this offense. Was it an aberration, and they'll pick right up where they were after 11 weeks last year? That's the one question mark. Because when they were working at peak efficiency last year through 11 games, I mean that was about as good an offense as you could have in the NFL. So maybe the reality lies somewhere in between what they were through 11 games and how they struggled down the stretch. One more injury uh, that I didn't talk about previously, rookie running back Devon A-Chain, who I loved at A&M, uh, went down with a shoulder injury in Saturday's preseason game. If healthy, is A-Chain a factor this season? Oh, I don't think there's a question it'll be a factor now exactly what kind of factor. The Dolphins have a lot of running backs. They had four, Their four running backs from last year all were free agents in the offseason. They respawned all four of them. 
uh, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., Miles Gaston, Savon Ackman, and then they drafted a chain in the third round, which really smelled like a Mike McDaniel pick where he saw the speedster and goes, I want him, I want more speed on my offense. So I think they're going to have some packages for him to take advantage of that speed. Um, I'm hesitant to say he's going to play a huge role, number one, because I don't know if he's got the body to have a huge role at this time. And also mm-hmm. because the Dolphins have a, a lot of other options on offense. But I would, yeah, once he gets back in, his injury is week to week. Um, shoulder injury for a smaller running back. Who knows what that means? It's, it's two weeks, three weeks a month. Who knows? Um, but he'll definitely have a role on the, for this offense in 2023. Okay. Special teams have been kind of a hit or miss proposition. What's expected from the 2023 special teams group? Yeah, I think last year actually was more miss or miss. I mean, to be very honest with you, um, it was bad, and in just about every area until the end of the season, where Jason Sanders, who was the best kicker in the NFL in 2020, uh, but hasn't been able to follow that up. But last year he was kind of inconsistent, except that when the Dolphins needed a 50-yard field goal in the last minute against the Jets, he nailed it. So. Um, that was if he played in the playoffs game against Buffalo, the return game, which had been brutal the whole year, if we're going to be honest. Cedric Wilson gave him a 50 yard punt return. So, having said all that, um, I think they have an upgrade as a punt returner with Braxton Berrios, who they signed as a free agent from the Jets. Jason Sanders, who knows? I mean, does he ever get back to his 2020 form? That we'll have to wait and see. I mean, they kept him. Uh, Jake Bailey looked great in training camp and in the two preseason games that's not punted well. That's an issue. And they've given up a long kickoff return in both preseason games. So that's, you know, bringing up major, like, alarms. Right, here we go again. We'll be back to last year. So, yeah, the special teams are a concern heading into the season. All right, bottom line here, the consensus over-under total for season wins is 9.5. So the Dolphins over-under 9.5 wins in 2023. They will be over or under. You are correct. I agree. Oh, wait a second. You want a prediction? Yeah, one Yeah, one oh. or the other. Yeah. Okay, I thought it would be funny. I guess the joke didn't register. Okay. Uh, understanding that I reserve the right to change this and that this in no way, shape, or form should be considered a prediction of record, I will go at this time and they'll say they'll be over. Okay. Sounds good, Alan. I appreciate you re- rescheduling here and uh, – you know, stuff happens uh, during camp and uh, and so forth during uh, practices and whatever. So no problem. Thanks much. And uh, I assume we're going to check back during the regular season because we think these guys are going to win some games. Okay, excellent. Sounds like a plan. All right, good deal. Thank you, Alan Pupar of Sports Illustrated. Uh, once again, uh, some quick schedule analysis for three of the first four games on the road. However, the final four games, uh, they play three of those at home, so kind of a make-up there. They do have that brutal three-game stretch in October, early November, uh, at Philadelphia, home against New England, but then at Can- excuse me, against Kansas City in Germany. So they play the two Super Bowl teams from last year in a three-week stretch. All right, next segment, Kayla will come back and take charge again as opposed to this segment when you know, I kind of kicked her to the curb. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but 
a non-participant. I'm sure she got some liquids, maybe even a quick lunch or early lunch there. Next segment, uh, we will wrap it up here in the extra point. So stay tuned right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. Monday, August 21st edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Once again, make sure you're downloading that KDOS app, register and follow along with the listener reward opportunities available for you right now. There's a chance at a $100 gift card courtesy of Superbook Sports. But it's that time once again, Bob. It is. Thank you, time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, Singular, Dolphins Preview with Alan Pupar, uh, covers the Dolphins for Sports Illustrated. And uh, also on Tuesday, hopefully, we're trying to get a Cubs guest. And uh, the Cubs uh, had several teams that I thought were crazy going for it at the trade deadline. I think the Cubs are the only team I was wrong about as far as that goes. It looks like that was now a smart move. But uh, the Cubs uh, play a four-game series here against the Tigers. And you know, not the most difficult stretch of games for them here in the next few days. But uh, the Cubs are uh, doing some good things. Looks like Marcus Stroman, though, may not pitch for the rest of the season and for sure, he's not going to get a contract extension, apparently, according to various reports in the last 24 to 48 hours. Sound of the day, courtesy of CBS, Major League Baseball, NBC, Fox, uh, at least get a contract extension from the Cubs, I meant. Somebody will give him a contract. WTMG in uh, Milwaukee for the Brewers, uh, sweeping up the uh, Rangers highlight. And also Cairo, the uh, flagship of the Mariners in Seattle. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And uh, Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West from 7 to 8 tonight. Speaking of tonight, the Diamondbacks are hosting the Rangers. It's Jordan Montgomery versus Joe Mantiply in a bullpen game, 6.40 p.m. Head on over to dbacks.com slash watch uh, to find the channel that best suits you. And I know, Bob, that you are going to be glued to your television set tonight as you are going to watch the Baltimore Ravens and the Washington Commanders square off in this preseason contest because Baltimore has won 24 straight preseason oh, games right. and they're yeah. going for their 25th in a row. <laughs> OK, uh, I didn't even know. Uh, I just saw this on ESPN a few moments ago. That, that game was tonight. Susie Culber, apparently, is she not with ESPN anymore? I guess she's not doing the countdown thing anymore. Right. She was part of the group of layoffs. Well, that sucks. She's only been there for like 30 years, so that's that's sad. So uh, you got to know her a little bit uh, 
back in the uh, Super Bowl Tampa Bay Cardinals, you know, the Cardinals Tampa Bay Super Bowl, and uh, I always thought she was very professional and did an excellent job. So hopefully uh, if she wants to continue to work, uh, she'll be able to do that. Uh, speaking of the Monday Night Countdown crew, it has been announced the lineup for ESPN, and it's going to be hosted by Scott Van Pelt. Yeah, Ra- right. Ryan Clark will also be an analyst, RG3. Marcus Spears, of course, Adam Schefter. Uh, we'll see if he has any chains and dancing moves, etc. and appearances by Larry Fitzgerald and Alex Smith. Yeah, so, you know, I actually used to like Scott Van Pelt's uh, radio show back in the day. But all he does on ESPN is kisses, you know, the ass of every guest he has. I mean, it's uh, totally different than he used to be on radio when he would actually ask probing questions. His next probing question on uh, ESPN television will be his first. Uh, Spain. They win the Women's World Cup over England 1-0. Captain Olga Carmona scored the goal and helped Spain to their first ever World Cup title. Uh, It's been a long month or so uh, over in New Zealand and Australia with Spain capturing the World Cup title. As for the United States, we had said that Vladko Andonovsky was uh, resigning from his post as head coach and the U.S. general manager Kate Margraff is leaving U.S. women's national soccer her team at the end of the month when her contract expires she oversaw the hire of Vlatko apparently though according to reports her decision to move on when her contract expires at the end of the month was made prior to this World Cup run so that'll conclude the World Cup for another four years uh, that'll do it for this Monday edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic Monday. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp with you tomorrow starting at 9 a.m.